It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Who they think you're gonna beat them bangles? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The Combine currently going on. Joe's daughter taking notes. Who was it? Who are the Who are the people that ran the four six and the four four? Antonio Gandy Golden and Antonio. Oh, what's the other one that ran the four four? Gibson. Antonio and Antonio, according to yeah. your daughter. Yes, that's it. I only got first names, so I'd have to go and double check it. And then when they were going through the gauntlet, she wrote like. Number 22 was good. And I'm like, okay, thanks. And now you're going to know. Number 22 right. was good. Yep, that's it. I got to go check and see who 22 is. I know 23 is Justin Jefferson, and he has had a fantastic day. That 4-4-3, his second 40. 4-4-3, first 40, 4, 4 5. Same times as Chase Claypool, who is over 6-4, in like 220 or 235 or whatever he actually weighs. But that is all happening. We're going to recap the combine when it's done. It's in Mm -hmm. prime time. So it's going to be going for the next three hours or so. And today, a couple of noteworthy things coming out of Indianapolis. Andy Dalton's trade value. Hearing from a GM as high as second or third round. Hearing that Tom Brady fully expects to explore free agency and there's real smoke that he will not be back in New England, which gives the Bengals a second trade partner potentially outside of Bill Lazor in Chicago with the Patriots looking for a veteran quarterback to come in and keep it going with Bill Belichick. And then we have our mailbag. And I've been told the Bucks would be interested also. So I would say we may have three potential landing spots for Andy Dalton. I think that we might find out whether the league truly thinks highly of Andy Dalton the way that they're often said to when we hear stuff like the NFL thinks more of Andy Dalton than you do, fans. You know, we we hear that from time to time, so we'll find out. But let's talk about the reports we've heard and get into some of this news today. Numerous reports out of Indianapolis today circling around quarterbacks in general, but specifically Andy Dalton implications there. 
Chicago is an obvious destination, and the Athletics' Lindsey Jones reported today that she talked to a GM in Indianapolis who said that Dalton might fetch as much as a second or third round pick. That might make sense considering what he's going to be paid and that a team is likely going to be bringing him in to start. That seems like a reasonable price for a starting quarterback. But then you can go back to just last year and look at the deals for Joe Flacco, look at the deal for Ryan Tannehill. Both of those returned roughly a fourth round pick. And I think that both of those guys were expected to fill a similar role to Dalton, even if it wasn't going to be a, we're hinging our wagon to you, which Chicago wouldn't be. If it's them, they also don't have the trade ammunition that really lines up with this report. That's right. And I think fourth round was where we were getting comfortable as a fan base and saying, okay, yeah, maybe if Dalton's going to go to where he wants to go, the Bengals are going to work with him and find the right destination, right fit, right opportunity for him to start again. And that may be Chicago, maybe somewhere else. But we were thinking fourth round makes sense for us. And even there's been some reports and even some some stories written that, you know, expect a fourth round pick. But then today, I think the news of other quarterbacks moving uh, teams like uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady that they haven't spoken on a contract. He's going to fully explore free agency, Philip Rivers and maybe even the Colts. That's another rumor down there in Indy. I think once you see those trade ships start moving, uh, Andy Dalton's market and more teams may get interested. Yeah, Lindsey Jones' report for The Athletic did say that Tom Brady is probably the first domino that will need to fall, and then we might see some movement happen with quarterbacks. And there's also reports that waiting for the new CBA is holding things up in contract negotiations. It wouldn't surprise me if that's having some impact on the quarterback market as well. But free agency doesn't open here for another couple of weeks anyway when we get into the new league year. It's just interesting. There's a report from Jeremy Fowler that says strong sense in Indianapolis that the Bears are looking to add an established veteran quarterback. They're looking for a pedigree. They're looking for extensive starting experience. So not only is Bill Lazor a connection there, but now this report from Jeremy Fowler. Meanwhile, Schefter with the report about Tom Brady. Andy Dalton's certainly on the move one way or another. And that means for the Bengals, you're going into the season with, according to Paul Daner, saving money in the quarterback room, and they're going to roll with Ryan Finley and Jake Dolagala to be their quote-unquote veteran backups. And these are both going to be second-year players that have a lot to prove at best, I would say. Very, very young quarterback room. And although there are plenty of quarterback coaches and former quarterbacks on the staff, I think that's part of the idea of helping to get Joe Burrow along. Uh, I would say Burrow, I mean... The idea is if he's drafted, he's your week one starter. So how are you supporting him in in that locker room? How are you supporting him in the quarterback room when it comes to um, preparation, weekly preparation? If you go back and listen to some of the reports on Joe Burrow and how he helped build the weekly game plan down in LSU with uh, Joe Brady, he's ready for it. Maybe you don't need that veteran guy, or maybe it's the money thing. Maybe you don't want to go out and these – Backup quarterbacks around the league are making six, seven, eight million dollars easily. Maybe the Bengals don't want to waste that money on the backup and and feel maybe that's a, a guard or an offensive lineman or a linebacker and they can spend it there. I think the bigger question for how these chips will fall in what order, Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. 
wrote that he expects the Bengals to draft Joe Burrow and then move on from Andy Dalton sometime in May, which is after the draft. So is that how it's going to go? Or is that a way for them to publicly build up some pressure to, for these other teams to maybe up their offer just a little bit? And if that's the case, uh, you have to look at that free agency. When it opens March 10th, new league year starts. That's $17 million you have tied up in Andy Dalton. Is that going to hinder you if, from signing a free agent or or maybe putting that money uh, towards free agency? I think the Bengals could get rid of Dalton sooner than later. I think that report from Jeff Hobson was more of a public way to uh, spark the fire a little bit. I certainly hope so because I think they would be doing themselves a disservice by holding him into May. They wouldn't be able to get any draft capital for this year when they badly need it. And as you mentioned, there are immediate free agency implications of not having that money against the cap freed up. So we'll see if that is an intentional leak to drum up interest, as Joe has suggested, or if there's something else at play here. So we've got a bunch of your questions to get to, including one about what the Bengals should do in the quarterback room. And we'll get into all that in just a minute. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe we've talked about it before. You're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House. Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. It's the lockdown episode of the mailbag <laughs> weekly. <laughs> I realized I said that right away. <laughs> you like that? It's the lockdown mailbag <laughs> podcast. It is. That's what we're doing. That is what we're doing. We're doing the mailbag. Are we, re- are we recording right now? Oh, yeah. We're live. <laughs> right now oh yeah it's rolling okay well first question from are you sure i can take it out no this is listen we do it live (laughs) first question from kasha and she a lot of a few people asked about the backup quarterback situation i thought it worked well with our opening there with dalton new trade rumors and Reports, actually. More than more than rumors, reports. There's a difference, guys. We've learned that over the last month. And she asks, could you find a rookie quarterback from the last couple of years with and without a veteran on the roster to back him up? Uh, she wonders how often it happens and if there's any significant effect on the success in the first year of the rookie quarterback. Yeah, we went back three years, and I immediately – seven hours ago, eight hours ago when I was at work, I was like, all right, I got to look at these first round quarterbacks to see what happened. So Kyler Murray down Mm -hmm. in Arizona this year is probably the closest actually to what the Bengals are going to be doing with Joe Burrow in, in terms of he's going to come in and start right away. Kyler is always going to go down there 
and yeah. start right away, especially when they traded Rosen. And the, the veteran player on that team was... Brett Hundley. Brett Hundley, that's right. And Hundley Ooh, was a, a fourth-year pro. Right. Yep. You know, he played under under he played a little bit, right, when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. He had some exactly. starts under his belt, but it's probably the closest. Daniel Jones, of course, Eli Manning is there. Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum's there. Yep. And they, they had somebody else too, right? You're Colt McCoy. Colt yeah. McCoy. Long time backup in the NFL. And then mm-hmm. Drew Locke, of course, Joe Flacco is in Denver. So out of the four last year, there's all, all four of those teams have a guy with at least four years of experience, but the closest is Kyler in Arizona. Then -hmm. in 2018, it's Baker where they obviously had Tyrod Taylor, Sam Darnold. They had McCown. Yep. Josh Allen. They had just signed AJ McCarron who got hurt, but they tried to have a veteran. And then Joe, you were saying that year, Buffalo signed Derek Anderson because they needed a veteran. Yeah, they flipped McCarron to the Raiders uh, for a draft pick and started Nathan Peterman, if you remember, and that was a complete disaster. They had no intentions on starting uh, Josh Allen at all that year as a rookie. And then once Peterman was a disaster, they started Allen and signed Derek Anderson, who had retired and had concussion issues, and they really just kept him on the sideline for uh, uh, help for game planning and you know preparation and stuff. Then we mm. go back to Arizona the previous year with, Josh Rosen in 2018, back-to-back years. But they had Sam Bradford in 2018, and the plan was for Sam Bradford to be playing. And then Lamar Jackson was also drafted the last pick of the first round in 2018 when the Ravens still had Joe Flacco, who, of course, started that year. 2017, Mitchell Trubisky went to the Bears. They had a slew of journeymen on that team, including Mark Sanchez and a couple of Mike Glennon, right. Who else? There's one other one. Yeah, is that when they – no, I was going to say that's when they had the guy from um, – that was backing up with the Saints, but that wasn't that year. Regardless, they had three – they had three veterans on the team when they drafted they Mitchell Trubisky. Patrick Mahomes, of course. There was Alex Smith. And when Deshaun Watson was drafted by the Texans, they had Tom Savage and Brandon Whedon. Whedon, who, of course, has been around forever – has been a backup in the NFL, had been a backup in the NFL for a long time. He might still be in Houston. I can't remember. McCarron now is backup in Houston, right? So we're seeing some themes. AJ McCarron, Joe Flacco. Those are all the themes. They're going to go get McCarron then. That's what it means. Well, so I I buy Paul's logic here, though. They don't want to take money out of the linebacker funder, the guard funder, whatever it is. Yeah, to pay a backup quarterback when if if Burrow goes down and they're hitching their wagon to Burrow, they're going to be in a world of hurt anyway. So yeah. this goes along with the question. Bearcat XZ asked the same question: Is it irresponsible to go into training camp with Finley and Dolagala as a backup quarterbacks? He thinks it's like having a new Corvette and not paying for insurance, and they can't win with Finley. So so what do we think here? And I mean, my personal feeling on this is that you can't win with your backup. Unless yeah. you have Teddy Bridgewater back there, and then you're paying him a lot of money. But what do you think? And even then, you are your backup is just to keep you afloat. They did draft Ryan Finley in the fourth round. You're not going to win the Super Bowl with the backup. I know we've seen Nick Foles recently, but you can see the the perfect scenario situation for four Foles when he went to the Jaguars. He was quickly benched, and um, even after getting hurt. My point is that you kind of just 
rolling the dice with running with quarterback anyways. The point I wanted to get to is if you're one of the people that want to extend Joe Mixon and are okay paying a running back, especially on a rookie salary. Now, uh, Joe Burrow's going to make $7 million as a rookie. Yeah, that's that's $10 million less than Andy Dalton. But if you're just going to throw that $10 million on the Mixon, it's nice to not have to pay a backup quarterback. If you're going to pay a backup veteran $5, 6 $7 million, you're negating all the advantage you're getting uh, by saving money at the quarterback position. So that's kind of the trade-off right there. Is like If you want to maximize this roster and take advantage of a rookie quarterback contract, it probably means you're not going to spend much for the backup. And I think you just accept the risk, right? Like if your quarterback goes down, you're going to lose and you just yep. live with it because mm-hmm. you have to try to win. And, and the way you try to, you, you, you know, it's the whole playing not to lose thing, except you're playing to win in roster construction. As soon as your quarterback goes down, you know, it's, I, I think your season's lost at that point anyway, but let's, let's stay on the second half of the questions here, Joe, in our list and, and focus on next season. Uh, we have a question here from CNatty87. Do we have plans to attend a game next year? This year, I guess. It would be cool right. to bring the Locked On Bengals community together at the tailgate, Joe. My wife texted me today and said, how about we try to go to the first home game in Cincinnati? This was out of the blue. I didn't prompt her in any way. And I said, yeah, okay, let's do that. All right. I'll, I'll go. You don't, right. have to, you don't have to twist my arm. I, I We still haven't met in person. Well, she 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 did mention you. She said, "You think Jake would go to that?" I said, "Yeah, I think so." I didn't ask you. Yeah, yeah, I would go. That'd be worth it. That'd be fun, and and we could we could do a thing. We could we could uh, you know I'll I'll try to reach out to my friend who works at one of the breweries and see if we can do an event there or something. And that would be cool. We can make it a whole thing. Uh, I'm still trying to work on you to get you to the draft. Just no, it's probably not going to happen. Now, if you mentioned, if you found a way to mention that to my wife, she would be down 100%, I bet. She wants to have, she's trying to plan some way for us to get, just get away from the kids, even if it's for two days. So that's why she's like, oh, he'll, he'll say yes to a Bengals game. So we'll do that. What, what's, is she the one that I tweeted about Mario Kart that one time? Yeah, that's her. You'll find her again. (laughs) I'm going to go find her. All right. Next question then, right? Alex Grigsby. Alex Grigsby wants to know. If you guys have ever hiked the Grand Canyon, is there a way up that is the way up or way back more difficult? And any idea how much water he should bring? Jake, you've got experience with this, right? I did the Grand Canyon. We, I was there for a couple of days and I didn't do an overnight hike or anything. So if you're doing overnight stuff and going down to camp in the canyon, it's going to be different. Going down isn't too bad, especially if you're, you know, relatively healthy. So you say is the way up or the way back more difficult? Those are the same thing. When you come back from the Grand Canyon, you're going up. When you when you start the Grand Canyon, you go down first, right? You start maybe he's starting from the bottom. I don't know where. I don't think you can do that. I know this. I will at least I think that's right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there might be a place you can drive to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I have no idea. I, I doubt it. Anyway, uh, I, I did I did fine with a backpack. Uh, you know those backpacks, the Camelbacks. I just had yeah. a, a couple liters of water in there, I think, for a day hike, and it was fine. I was a little bit light. I wouldn't have minded more water, but I was fine. And and we went. We we didn't follow any of the instructions when we were there. We we left. You're supposed to leave very early in the morning in the summer months, and we were there in August or or like later in the day. You're not supposed to be out there at peak sun, and we left 
we started at like 10 a.m. It, it was two days after wedding. Uh, we were we were still recovering from from the mm. festivities, you know, and yeah. uh, we were out there in the hottest part of the day, but it was fine. So the way up is obviously more difficult. Coming coming back up, going down is is fine. The trails is are a... well marked and everything. Right, I was going to say, are there trails and steps, or is it like a climb? Uh, it's it's trails for sure. It's it's switchbacks all the way down. It's it's well groomed. Gotcha. There's no scrambling. I mean, I'm sure you can find scrambling in the Grand Canyon if you look for it, but. We probably should talk about football, should we? Uh, Jeff Johnson, 73, wants to know, last year the Bengals started out with a zone blocking scheme and adjusted to gap blocking midseason. Are we expecting the same thing in 2020, or do we think that Zach Taylor is going to try to go back to the zone stuff? Jake and I had a conversation about this just briefly of, did they go to more of a gap, more of a man blocking? And I know they really wanted to be a wide zone team to start with, and does that mean they want to go back to that? Um, or did they just find a play halfway through the year, which was that that pitch, that toss out of shotgun, where they pulled two linemen also, and and that's more of a a, a gap scheme and man blocking scheme. And if they just kept running variations off that and finding ways to keep that working for the final eight games of the year, and I think that was more likely. There was still a lot of inside zone stuff. Uh, they became more multiple, which is, I think is the idea for any good offense is that you can do anything and run anything. So I don't know yet. I don't know what impact getting Jonah Williams, getting maybe another guard in free agency or whatever the case may be, um, getting Joe Burrow, going more empty protection, more shotgun stuff. I don't know what type of impact that has on the run game, but I, I at least have a little bit more confidence that they can adjust and find the best way to use it. They were running that shotgun pitch. I, I, Definitely am expecting to see that again until the NFL shows that they're going to stop it consistently. But if the Bengals are getting Jonah Williams back in there, if, you know, Jeff Hobson's piece yesterday with, with, uh, Alex, Alex, no, what's the Callahan, Brian Callahan. I go, I was trying to say Alex Van Pelt for some reason, Brian Callahan talking about how he's, he, they're expecting Fred Johnson and, and Michael Jordan to take year two leaps. They're expecting yeah. those guys to progress. I think that's asking a lot. I got into a little debate about this last night on Twitter because, you know, the, the other side of the argument is at some point you need to expect your young players to progress. And I just think that asking a fourth round pick and an undrafted free agent, or was he a seventh round pick? I don't remember. I think he's an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Uh, asking those guys to, in their second year, anchor your offensive line and take this massive leap to improve you. I think that's just asking a lot. If if that's your plan. Yeah. Last year we said all the time, hope is not a plan. And that feels a whole lot like hope to me. We have a bunch more questions to get to, and we'll get back into all of those here in just a minute. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership 
and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast, and I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Our next question here is we transition a little bit more into free agent in general. Um, team building questions, I would say. This one, we had to discuss what this even means a little bit. But this is from Varney B. He asks, run, pass, or boots? Corey Littleton, Joe Tooney, or Byron Jones? So these are free agent options. I'm assuming run means you want that guy. Pass, I'm going to pass on him, even though, you know, in football terms, that doesn't seem right. Uh, and then boot, I have no interest in this guy. So of those three, Jake, who are you run, passing, and booting? Well, I'm running all of them. You can't. That's not the game. And I get it. I, I know I can't have what I want here. And I hated your free agent game. Yeah, that was that tough, was, wasn't it? <laughs> that was miserable. Uh, so I would say run Byron Jones pass Tooney and boot Littleton. I think no. if I was given these options in this order, that's where I would go. And this is strictly because I think these are all good players that would improve the Bengals of these positions, but I want the one that's going to offer me the most positional value. And, and that's corner. That's a mighty fine answer. I can't argue any of that. I would only switch Tooney and Byron Jones. So I'm going to run Tooney pass on Byron Jones, and also boot Corey Littleton. And people may be surprised by this. Uh, Byron Jones is really, really good, first of all, because we haven't discussed him much other than PFF suggesting the Bengals should sign him. Yeah, Uh, okay, maybe it was on our separate episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But Joe Tooney, for me, I would go that route because my number one priority now is protect Joe Burrow at all costs, score 35 points a game if possible. And to get that, because uh, I think the defense is still a couple steps away, where I think the offense is now one step away, getting the offensive line to be better. And if I can do that with Joe Tooney and, and really sh- secure that left side of that line, I feel really good about it. And uh, from there, uh, that's why I would go with Tooney. Yeah, and and I could totally buy that too. Tooney has been exceptional at guard. I, mm-hmm. he's, he's a dramatic improvement. 
The intern who picked our questions picked two questions. For you, CNatty87, it's your lucky day. Who is one free agent? Who's a trap, Joe? Who's a, who's a guy the Bengals should be avoiding? I get asked about Alex or Alec Ogletree as soon as the Giants released him. And on paper, he is a former first-round pick from Georgia, played with the Rams, played with the Giants, athletic. He's terrible, to be honest. He's never actually been good. I didn't like him much as a prospect once I, once I dug into his film all those years ago. So, uh, yeah, I avoid at all costs. Alec Ogletree. And I'm going to say... Fuck, man. Denzel Mims ran a 4-4-0? Yeah, that's why I kept going back to it when you answered that Holy question. shit. He He's incredible. In the first round. Um... He How should. many receivers are going to go in the first round? I don't know, but I'm saying he should. Be, the, the receiver class is going to push guys around in, in, in a way, but there is no doubt in my mind, based on all of his other abilities and a 4-4-0, he is a first-round caliber receiver. These guys are all testing insane. Jerry Judy ran a 4-4-6. You're telling me right. Denzel Mims runs better? I mean, I think Judy plays faster, but Denzel Mims... In, in underwear runs faster than Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb ran a four five one, which Holy beats shit. that under. By the way, that uh, four five four. You could I, I said I could I would put down two hundred bucks on it if I was a betting man. Combine yeah. props. Combine props. Oh wow, I'm still blown away by that. That's almost, and, and his vert was great too. Let me go back to that. Oh my. Well, while I go back to it, I'm going to talk about the guy I would avoid, and I think is a trap is uh, Vic Beasley. Mm. Where's Denzel Mims? I was just there. <coughs> you passed it. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. Up, up, up. Up, up, up. There. No. Nope. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I just assumed it was the RES one. Fucking Denzel Mims. And a 451 four, for Lamb. Great. Yeah, it's fine. Yep. It's right where you want to be. Or where you expected. God yeah. damn, there it is. So he had a 90th percentile vert and a 97th, 97th percentile broad. He didn't look that athletic to me when I saw him. Big like guys like that have to be athletic if they're moving the way they do. But he didn't look like a 99th percentile athlete to me. No, but he is, man. Look at this shit. Yeah, this is insane. These wide receivers. I mean, Denzel Mims tested insane. Ooh, shit. Who else tested really well? There, there's so many guys that tested really well today. They must not be here yet. Good Lord. Anyway, the, the wide receiver, we're going to talk about this, I, I imagine, on, on Sunday when we're wrapping up the combine, trying to do a mock draft. We're going to look at all these receivers. Justin Jefferson running a 4-4-3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase Claypool running a 4-4-3. And, and, and Brandon Ayuk with the 40-inch vertical. Yeah, not very fast though. Four five, sure, right? It's fine, but I thought he, I he plays faster. I definitely, he plays faster. I thought he would be a four four flat in that range. Yeah. Um, so it's, what are we talking about really? At the end of the day, he still passes the you know the bar of what you want. Yeah. Anyway, these receivers are exciting. Is is what we're getting at? And our next question is about mock draft Monday. I'll pack a death trap. Don't get me wrong. I love mock draft Mondays, but how much value is there? in doing mock drafts before free agency? Only slight value. Here's the thing, right? Even teams use mock drafts to prepare themselves and their board and for scenarios, and they're even doing them now. Uh, You know that 
things are going to get thrown into the air again and, and fall a little bit differently once free agency hits and teams start addressing those needs. But I think the idea is, and something I would love to see is the draft come before free agency to where teams could actually pick the best players and not have to force need picks. And by doing that, by doing the, the mock draft Mondays before free agency, I think it gives us a, a better representation of where these guys should go. I think the better question here is how much value do you get by doing it before the combine? Because that's the combine has a direct impact. We're looking at PFF has done some great work with analytics and receivers that run fast, they get way overdrafted, right? Shoots their stock right up. Denzel Mims, a great example. Justin Jefferson, great example. Where they were, where were we getting them? Second round, third, fourth round for Mims? Uh, don't be surprised now if, like, it's hard to get those guys at 33. And it should be. But the thing is, there's only so many guys that can go in the first round. 32, in fact. I can count them. Then it makes a target for us at 33, which exactly. is great. Exactly. And and you're talking, people talk about Neville Gallimore running a 4-6. I mean, at, at 290 pounds. And and you have Josiah Degara, De, Deguara, however you say his name, had a great day, was the best uh, best at the bench press, which doesn't matter at all, but just tells you how strong he is. And then he ran a 4-6. I mean, we don't have agility drills yet, but we're, we're very distracted. How much value is there doing mock drafts before free agency? Like Joe said, I think we're, we're talking about uh, – I don't need to say anything. Joe, you said all the things. Let's get our oh, last question you. here. What is the last question? I have a question for you, Joe. I was okay. having this conversation on Twitter today. Todd McShay is one of the two prominent national voices who likes Tua Tungavailoa more than Joe Burrow as a quarterback. And he was on Get Up, and he tweeted from his account his his minute blurb about why he likes Tua better. And he didn't draw direct comparisons, but what stood out to me in what he said was he was talking a lot about his ability. So for what he talked about his ability to read the field. And I don't think there's a discernible difference between Tua and Burrow in their processing speed. I think they're both very good at that. But what mm-hmm. he talked about that I thought was most interesting is he talks about the quick twitch from C to release, the the read and react, you know? So I'm wondering, is is that something that you think is a discernible difference? And is that enough? Like, how much does that matter? Because a lot of the criticisms of Burrow have, have been around his mechanics and the the work he's done with uh, the, the who's the guy in California? House. T- t- yeah, House, to, to clean that up and get his lower body and, and upper body in sync. But is that... I just, is that enough to put Tua ahead of Burrow? I just, I don't, it's not for me. But I was also right. a very late convert to Burrow, so so I wanted to get your take on it. And I absolutely love Tua, so um, yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing for someone to even ask this. I, you know, if Tua, I mean, if Burrow wasn't even in this class, we'd be having a different conversation. If Tua was healthy, we'd have a different conversation. Doesn't mean I, we would take Tua, but he's a very, very good quarterback. I, some, I think it was Mel Kuyper today said the, the Redskins at two should take him. I kind of yeah. agree. Uh, so uh, the twitchiness, and I called to a twitchy also, and I agree with, with uh, McShay here saying it's a lot of it is mental. He's not twitchy like Russell Wilson athletic. He's twitchy mental like Drew Brees, uh, where he's quickly bing, bing, bing through his reads and, and his movements are in sync as his eyes move, his foot moves, and he releases and throws uh, very quick. But I also – credited Burrow for a lot of the same things. But Burrow's come more 
for as a secondary reaction. He sees things very, very clearly. Uh, he's got great vision when he's got to go off script, and his reaction time is instantaneous off script. Where I think more, um, uh, I would I would lean towards Tua is maybe better the inside of structure in terms of the twitchiness and and quick reads and quick decisions where Burrow's a little bit better off, which to me, I think the value is um, in this league and the way it's going is being better off script. And I, that's where I really, really fell in love with Joe Burrow. And I, I would stay right there and say, that's why he's better. Yeah. I think that they're similar enough within structure Yeah, that there's not a, a huge discernible difference. They have very similar arm strength. There is a contingent that thinks Tua has a better arm and I don't, no, if I'm, I think he has a, a quicker release, but it's, it's very slight. I think his deep ball is better, and that's it. And I'm, so we're talking about two or three throws a game. I'm talking vertical sideline shots. Those are better. Even though Burrow was fantastic at it, he had really, really good receivers that were helping him. Uh, and the back shoulder stuff was Burrow throwing them on purpose. So I think he doesn't get credit for those, where Tua uh, gets credit for really placing some deep balls out there. And I want to say that, Arm strength-wise, I think they're almost the exact same. And then uh, in terms of um, – oh, what was the other one? What was the other point you said? The the quick release? Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's a thing at all, if it's quicker or slower. Uh, I think Burroughs is pretty quick. I noticed a few times in the LSU-Alabama game that both guys had the ability to see and get rid of the ball very quickly. Yeah. What a lot of the praise for Burrow has been that he sees the whole field. Like, he, he is taking it all in at once. So I, I don't necessarily agree with McShay that Tua is a better processor. And if he is, I think it's splitting hairs. I think either mm-hmm. way, in a lot of ways, you're splitting hairs between these prospects oh, yeah. in, in totality if, if, if Tua doesn't have the hip injury. But, I think they're clearly one and two, though. Yeah. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, you've got um, some numbers pulled up from NFL Film Study, and follow him on Twitter if you don't. And Ian Wharton does great in-depth look and, and brings up these charting, and these guys are clearly above everybody oh, else. Oh, yeah, in, 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 like, every category, right? Yeah. But what stands out to me looking at these, and I pulled this up because you said you thought Tua had a better deep ball, which I'm not disputing, but... I am going to point out that Joe Burrow threw more than twice as many deep balls. He had 74 yeah. deep attempts, 20 plus yards versus two is 32. And he was charted to be accurate. And this isn't completion percentage. This is accuracy from Ian Wharton, uh, NFL film study. They have, he has him at 62.16 on deep balls and he has Tua at 56.25 on 40, 42 fewer attempts. He had half as many attempts total. Yeah. Well, but they had the same amount of pre-snap or pre-line of scrimmage attempts. So, yep. I mean, to a big part of Tua's game. And this isn't a knock on Tua, but a lot of people say, you know, he's this great processor. And he is very good at, at processing a defense and playing within the system. But he he's still a large percentage, a much larger percentage of his offense is coming on quick stuff, short. And, and people talk about Joe Burrow. Oh, he's an RPO master. Yeah, that's true, but he was also great outside of structure, which is where that argument sort of, like, he's a system guy, falls yeah. apart for me. And Tua, they ran a lot of RPOs, too. In fact, they usually started the game with one, and he either threw the slant or gave it um, to Najee Harris. And I would say for Tua also that, 
like Burrow, their ball placement, I think, is A-plus, elite-level yeah. range. Yeah. Uh, and I think you can see it on on this accuracy chart right here. Uh, the other thing with, with Tua that I think is definitely worse than Burrow is on tape I can see what messes Tua up. His his repeated mistakes are like, okay, they're rolling coverage and they're getting them in the middle of the field. field. They're forcing them to throw in the middle and there's usually a safety jumping down on it. He's not seeing that backside safety. I can't discern what the trick is to fool Burrow. Um, so that may be makes me like Burrow a little bit more, or maybe it makes Tua an easy evaluation for somebody else. I, I've talked about this last year. We haven't had to talk about it this year. Easy evaluation sometimes for people uh, tend to make them like that guy a little bit more, even if he's a worse player. We could do a whole episode on this stuff, but we're going to cut it off here. We will talk about these players in more detail in the future. I still need to go back and watch more Justin Herbert to give him a fair shot because he's such he's just so erratic, maybe not erratic. There's just a big range of outcomes. I just, yeah. yeah. He's having a good combine, though, to his credit, and I hope he has a good career. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Enjoy the combine this weekend. If you are watching, Joe and I will be tweeting, I'm sure, assuming Joe gets healthy here. And he's off work, too. So, you know, everybody hope that the Buffalo roads are clean so Joe can have a day in peace Mm -hmm. tomorrow with his kids at school and everybody tweet Joe's wife to get Joe and his wife out to the combine to hang out. That's going to do it though. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. Bengals fans. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last off season? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.